I'm Rachel Gable. Welcome to the Full Plate Podcast. I'm an ag journalist and a cattle producer, and I'm bringing you the stories of and conversations with those who keep our plates filled. Good morning and welcome to the Full Plate Podcast. I'm Rachel Gable. Today I have with me Dr. Erin Schrader. She is a uh, veterinary practitioner up in Nebraska, and she's also the star of Heartland Vets, which just came uh, live on Nat Geo Wild. It's a definitely a favorite show of my little girls. She's she's a big Dr. Ben and Dr. Aaron fan. Um, thank you so much for being on with me this morning. Well, thank you for having me and for inviting me to do this. This is um, a real honor, and um, I think you know it, it's just exciting to share stories and and you know we're all kind of going through the same thing just in a little different way so this is this is wonderful oh good well thank you can you uh just introduce yourself real quickly for folks who may not be familiar with you absolutely well um my name is dr aaron schrader and um my husband dr ben and i have been um blessed with this show called Heartland Docs DVM, um, and it really showcases our lives as veterinarians in northeast Nebraska, um, and in really the Midwest, it's as sort of a bigger picture, um, and as parents to two teenage boys, and, um, you know, just busy people like we all are, and so that is, um, it, it's been a crazy ride, and, <laughs> um, and we still kind of keep pinching ourselves to see if this is all for real, but... Um, it's a really it's a it's a neat show. the The show premise really is about veterinary medicine, but to me, it it really is a lot more. Um, it it just gives people a glimpse of what real life is is like, and you know, an average family living in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Well, I, the the first episode of the show, which I got to preview before it came out, I felt very um, like. I don't know, famous or something, because I got to look at, like <laughs> the ahead of time screening. It was exciting, but it it really oh, started you. in the aftermath of the Nebraska flooding. I know mm-hmm. we we really faced some challenges here in northeastern Colorado last spring with the weather, but it really paled in comparison to the flooding and the blizzard uh, damage and the ice damage up in Nebraska. And I was so glad that you started with that. And the the first kind of one of the first patients that you guys featured on the show was a was a terminal c-section on a cow and that was very much real life that's what that looked like up in that area at that time and I thought that that was refreshing that that it was just so honest and and that's really where you guys started yeah that was you know that was um that was a really sad day and um you know that there's there's a lot of the story that you know, didn't make it through editing, but um, we had been out there for the couple days before, unfortunately, that mama cow went to heaven, and, um, you know, she just wasn't responding. She was she was an older cow to start with, and, and where she was, you know, she'd been in five feet of water for several days because there, there just wasn't a dry place to get them to. Um, and it was, it was really hard, that farmer... Um, Actually, you know, his wife had passed away from breast cancer. It was her farm, and he's taken it over. And um, that was very emotional. That was one of her cows. And, uh, you know, we had, we had tried to do everything we could. And, um, you know, I, it, it was tough, and it, it's hard to kind of see that and go through that. But, um, you know, we 
that that was really the most humane option for the cow. You know, giving it a shot to euthanize her would have also killed the calf. And, um, you know, those C-sections, they're uncomfortable. Um, and when you know they're not going to live through it, it's, it's really the, the kindest thing you can do is, is just make sure she goes in a, a way that is, has no suffering, has no, um, you know, no pain, and then immediately get that baby right out. And so that's what we did, and so it ended in a really sweet story, but it was, it was a, a pretty poignant case to start with, but, but I really am glad that, you know, Nat, Nat Geo Wild and our production company did that because um, the story we want to tell is a truthful one, and, you know, that's, that's part of life here, and those are some of the decisions that we all have to make and what we do every day. I agree. I've, I've covered the flooding and blizzards and fires and, and all sorts of things, and that's, that's the common theme that those decisions have to be made, and they're not easy ones, but that's what this really looks yeah. like. It's not always pretty, but no, that's it what isn't. it is. Yeah, it's, um, uh, you know, that was important to us in telling the stories that we're going to tell is that, you know, um, we do it with delicacy, but that we also... Um, do it with reality. And, um, you know, I, I think to have an honest conversation between two people, you need to, to first and foremost, you know, be honest and be willing to share and then have a person that's being willing to listen. So hopefully um, we create that with our audience. And, you know, even if there are stories that people have a tough time with, um, you know, you have to be open-minded and always put yourself in someone else's shoes, I think. So, I so that's what we're striving for. Well, I appreciated that. One of the um, things that we talked about, I, I got to interview, for you listening, I, I interviewed uh, Drs. Ben and Aaron both for an article in the Fence Post a couple weeks ago, which was fun. And um, one of the things we talked about was how emotional their their business can be and, and ranching and being a, 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 a practitioner. All those things are emotional, and it, it really takes a toll. And um, Dr. Aaron is very committed to supporting her colleagues and supporting others who are are in the profession. And we talked a little bit about the rising rate of suicides among veterinary professionals. And and you had you had talked a little bit about some of the things that communities can do to support their local vets. Can you touch on that a little bit? Certainly. Um, you know, I'm really passionate about this. Um, because it, it is, um, you know, veterinary medicine is just one of those funny things. I think, you know, universally people love animals. Um, and so we all have this drive to want to protect and save. Um, and it, we all look at it very differently depending on how we were brought up and, you know, values placed on things and, and where you live <clears throat> and, you know, what you know about things. And um, it's very easy in this day and age. And, you know, I just watched, we watched the Super Bowl this last weekend, and um, there was a halftime show, and, you know, everybody has their own personal opinion, but my goodness, um, it was really tough to watch the way that people were, you know, villainizing mm-hmm. <laughs> two beautiful women who were dancing, and, and whether you liked it and thought it was racy or you didn't, I mean, gosh, it it is so easy to forget that people have feelings and that forget that, um, you know, the words that you use and what you say um, on the Internet and, and to people and, and you know, th- that still 
bothers people. Like, I, I'm pretty sure J-Lo and Shakira are not reading through, you know, personal comments, but um, it still, I 100% know that, that they felt some of that backlash and some of the negative negativity, and, um, and you can't help but feel that way. And I feel like it's very easy for people to do that to veterinarians, um, more so, actually, even than that, because, um, you know, as, as a a private practitioner or having your own practice, um, you, as an owner here, we have staff that we have to take care of. I have bills I have to pay. Um, and people feel like animals are their family members. And when they come in and they have not made, you know, they, they can't afford it. They can't do this. This was an accident they didn't foresee. Um, you know, we all want to help animals. That's why we're all in this. Um, but we still have to charge fees. We have to get paid. We have to, you know, it, it's we, we have to make sure that all our staff can feed their children. And so it becomes very easy to objectify and villainize veterinarians for, well, they wouldn't save my dog that got hit by a car um, and say not nice things or be not kind to that veterinarian. And, and I think that's really that's really hard. You know, we're, we're one of the lower paid professions for all that we do, if not the lowest, um, for the same amount of school that we go through as physicians and dentists and, and you know, human um, uh, medical professionals. But we get so much backlash that we are heartless if we don't just see something. When, um, and, and that is a very, very tough thing. And, um, and I think, it, it, you know, I, I have five or six different colleagues and friends that are veterinarians who no longer practice because that having that kind of you know brought up day after day or seeing things written about themselves on the internet um, it's it's so untrue and it's just like gosh I don't know how to make that better um, you know I, other than to tell people to you know appreciate your veterinarians plan an emergency fund for your pet um, you know there's those things but that is that is very hard. Um, as a veterinarian, to to see and know those things are happening, you know, for myself, colleagues, that that that's that's a really tough place to be in. Mm-hmm. I have a a dear friend here in Eastern Colorado who is a a large animal practitioner, and she has her own practice, and it's a mobile practice. She she serves thousands of square miles. It's it's incredible how how many uh, cattle she sees, primarily cattle, and and she's. She talks a lot about that, about the the social media side of things and how people just don't just don't think about it and and that that it's hard to find a place in the community just as you instead of yes. as the vet. Like nobody wants to <laughs> no vet wants to be stopped at loaf and jug and oh hey, how are you doing? Oh, by the way, my cow has a lump on her jaw. What do you think it is? Yeah. No, he, it happens all the time. Um you know, uh, even coaching, people will come up and say after the game, that was a great game. Um, you know, my dog's been limping for the last month. And um, um, I think veterinarians are relatively approachable people. We're kind people. We're generally, as a profession, you know, very giving, very, um, we're people pleasers. And um, it's hard to not, you know, to say no, because immediately that, that, perception shifts and it's like no this is just me trying to be a mom and a coach and it's it's not really the right time right. <laughs> so um it's very tough to make those boundaries um and those lines um 
without getting some pushback or without that, and and it's tough. I I, I don't know how to um, I don't know how to fix it, but I think that we're making strides in the profession to um, you know try and make good work-life balance. And um, you know, on the show, I really hope that. Um, people can see how dedicated, you know, as, as Ben and I have serving as examples for the profession, that how dedicated we are, but in the same time when we're, we're not doing that, you know, we, we do, we're still parents and moms and dads and coaches, and, um, you know, hopefully people will understand that, that, you know, if you want to have a great vet in your town that's, that is compassionate, you also have to let them not be a vet sometimes, too, um, yes. and respect their kind of private family time space. Um, so hopefully, you know, that, that hopefully that will show through and, and people will kind of be like, gosh, this is really a lot. You know, I don't need to call on a Saturday at 10 o'clock at night and ask about my dog's rabies vaccine status. Like, that can wait till Monday. Right. <laughs> um, um, so, you know, there's, um, there's always things like that that I, I hope people will pick up. And, um, and, and I know I, we talked before about, I feel like, we all need to hug our veterinarian because um, I know that they all need it. And any, all the veterinary professionals, the staff are not excluded from this. They are the, the same kind of mold of um, personalities and people. And, um, and, and it's, it's just tough. You have to really give a lot of your emotion to your clients and, and support them. And, and that can, you know, you can't, you can't pour from an empty glass. So sometimes people need to help fill up, fill up those glasses for them. Very much so. Well, you have... Uh, you have a lot of irons in the fire up there <laughs> to to kind of, and I'm sure that some of those things do fill your cup, especially the basketball coaching, since that's something that you uh, played for so long and and uh, were so good at. What are? Can you tell us a little bit about some of those projects? Yeah, you know, um, I I feel very fortunate in that um, Ben and I have very similar interests, or we've developed them. I don't know that they started that way, but um, we've kind of develop them together through our marriage, um, that we have similar passions. Um, and it's sort of weird. I, you know, I kind of joked with Ben a long time ago. I was like, oh, I don't want you to leave me for another, <laughs> another woman ever. I hope you don't ever find anybody they like better than me. And now it's like, well, no, now I, I think you're stuck with me and I don't want you to have, like, we need to make sure your cholesterol's good. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want you to have a heart attack and leave me here because I wouldn't know what I, to do without him. Um, but we are, we have found these other common interests that when we are done with work and, you know, are done with, or not done with, you're never done with parenting, whom I even, that, that's a terrible statement. <laughs> you're always <laughs> parenting and always worried. Um, but, you know, when the kids are with their friends, um, we now really enjoy doing remodeling and doing um, restoring old buildings and, and doing fun projects like that. And that is really nice. You know, we don't even have to talk to each other. We can just sort of physically get into it. There's a creative side, um, and that, that kind of gives us an outlet to just to just go do something that is entirely different um, and polar opposite of, of veterinary medicine. So, um, but it's also something that if a call comes in, we can set down our tools and walk away from, and it's, you know, it, it's okay until we get back to it. Right. Well, I, I looked up the pictures of the building that you guys were working on the big hotel and it, oh. is, it is fabulous I, thank you she, if you're if you're not aware dr erin i'm pretty sure is the pioneer woman of the north she she has this, 
this hotel that she's renovated, which I would love for you to tell us a little bit about. And then the store, the Chase and Charlie's, looks like great fun as well. Well, thank you. Yes, um, we had, um, uh, there was, uh, Ben's father had some health concerns and our kids were starting to drive and, you know, they used to be avid horsemen and so we lived out on this big farm. Um, and uh, kind of they hit their teenage years and, and really sort of said we like horses but we don't love them, we really want to play all these sports. So we took a tough look and said let's get into town so things are closer um, for this next phase of our lives and we purchased an old clothing store building which was built in 1901 um, and we renovated that um, that's a 7500 square foot building and um, we live in the top floor and then on the main floor we have um, now a store called Chase and Charlie's um, which is named after our boys and they're very integral in it we kind of wanted to start something that they really could sort of learn how to be an entrepreneur um, uh, I feel like everybody should have to work in retail at some point um, or customer service um, so they they understand, you know, how that all works. And so uh, we have this really neat store that has things that are sort of Nebraska-based. They're, you know, products that are um, sort of geared toward an agricultural base and, and just, you know, kind of keeping it rural is one of, one of our things. So, um, and the boys really help in that. They they do the designs for some of the T-shirts, and Charlie really likes picking out the different fabrics, and um, he, he, he really likes nice soft T-shirts, so that's <laughs> one of the things that we put him in charge of. Um, and that's that's been a ton of fun. Um, and then we also have the hotel. So uh, after we started renovating the, the Globe Building, um, this really large, it's 26,000 square feet total, um, four, four floors, um, the hotel came available for us to purchase, and it had been sitting empty for 23 years. And um, in nine months, we completely overhauled. I said I had a hotel baby. It's my third child. <laughs> um, and we worked like fiends. Um, it, that was what we just did uh, kind of around the clock, and our boys helped us. But we were able to um, sort of make this hotel kind of be the phoenix of the town and it, it came up out of the ashes here literally it was closed down because there had been a fire um, in 1995 and uh, it is we wanted that to be truly our legacy um, you know it's a small town it's it's not at this point yet hopefully someday in the future um, you know a huge tourist attraction here but we are wanting people to come and be able to enjoy and and visit and kind of slow down their lives and take that time out to just just be in that moment. And so that's what we're hoping this hotel will offer. Um, we have lots of events there, but um, and a little cafe and a coffee shop, which definitely, I, <laughs> that was the first thing on the list. I'm like, we need to be able to make a really good cup of coffee here in town. Keep me going. So um, that's something that we love. The kids work there. Ben and I um, work there when we have events and you know, we'll we'll film all day and work in the clinic. And if we have a, you know, a retirement party for Bob, then we go and, you know, we'll bust tables to make sure the tables are clear and um, and help out there when we need to. Um, again, you know, it's it's something for the community, and it also really is helping our kids understand that you know you have to give back. Like everybody's tired at the end of the day, but you need to help your community if you want your community to stay solvent. And you know, just. You just have to be a genuinely helpful person. Like, there's always somebody that has a day tougher than you. So, you know, that's never an excuse. I agree. Those are good lessons. 
the yeah. lessons that you're teaching the boys as they're going out on calls with you are are pretty solid too. I've gotten a chuckle out of several of those. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I have a really funny story about that. So the last episode, Charlie, you know, had to go and and was at, at the stage now where he can help Ben do some semen tests on those bulls, <laughs> um, and had to reach in and you know, I uh, think as you saw that sort of help the bull get ready for a semen test. And uh, he played basketball last summer with a, with a boy whose parents were both pharmacists. And I got a text from from his mom, and he said. Uh, he said, Mom, I'm sure glad you guys are pharmacists. I only have to fill pill vials and sweep the floors and clean the bathrooms. Like, Charlie has to do a lot more. <laughs> um, so we got, we got a real charge out of that. But I said, well, that's what you get, Charlie, to have both your parents be veterinarians. <laughs> that was a good lesson. There was <laughs> yeah. That, was, that cracked me up. The look on his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you think the boys are going to go in the direction of vet school? You know, I, I, um, I didn't until we started doing the show. Um, and I really think um, for all of us, you know, I think anybody who's done a job for any number of years, you kind of get to a point where, I don't want to say you go on autopilot, but the routine stuff you kind of do. You just sort of go through it. You might be thinking about other things. And that is one thing the show is really helped us do is is to slow down and enjoy the moment and make sure we really interact with our clients and um, and get we we savor every human animal bond that that we have now where I think is before it was easy to be like yep here's your shots no questions okay great to see ya um, and uh, I, that has really also carried through for the boys because they're not just here to help, they're actually in that moment and experiencing those feelings. And um, so I am, that's probably the number one reason I love doing this show is that it's, it's really kind of made us all fall in love with veterinary medicine and all of the special nuances and things that are amazing about it, you know, all over again. And, um, and I, I think that's kind of starting a little fire for the, the kiddos. Um, Charlie did kind of a, one of those, what do you want to be when you grow up tests that matches you to a profession and Mm -hmm. and his actually came back as veterinarian so i thought well that's kind of a good sign (laughs) um and uh chase is he's still pretty young um i think like professional basketball players still on his list so we'll have to see where that goes (laughs) it's still on my list too at five four i think i have a chance (laughs) (laughs) i think that ship has sailed for me i'm I'm like (laughs) i'm like a like kind of like the cow that's in the back pasture that's sort of like a pet in terms of <laughs> athletics it's like oh you you did good in your day and we'll keep you around because you did so good and um look at Jan feed you some grain that's pretty much where i'm at now <laughs> I, I wasn't even good in the day they just keep me around because i bring snacks <laughs> <laughs> i gotta learn how to cook i missed that boat I, my mom told me um in high school she's like i really think it was business or economic home ec and um she said i really think you should take the business class and so i did and I feel like that has helped me tremendously, you know, in my life. But I really can't cook this. Like, I could burn water. It's not a good situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> well, I, I guess um, my last question for you, I know you've got other things that you need to get to, but um, as far as just maintaining balance with parenting and coaching and your job and the renovations is it just enjoying all of those things that helps you stay balanced or 
are are there other things that you do that that help kind of keep you centered or how do you how do you keep it all on the plate um well some days i don't some days i drop the plate and definitely slosh over the edges and i scream at the plate and <laughs> i swear at the plate <laughs> um, and all i i think um i think the the secret to me kind of keeping my happiness is that um we all have really full plates and it's it's easy to get overwhelmed um by you know the pile of the pile on the plate um and i think what i have done and what i've tried to help um and probably honestly not as good as i should when we've had different associates young associates that you know are starting families and getting going it's really easy to be like oh my gosh this is just too much i can't how do i do all this i can't do all this um and i think that being thankful that we have that to worry about um uh, my mom you know when i was playing basketball at syracuse sometimes a lot of times things weren't very easy i had four knee surgeries it was it was a, a huge struggle some days um and my mom sent me a letter one time and said, well, you, at least you're not in a swamp with an alligator and no gun. Um, and it was like the most random thing. Like, I'm, I'm like, that was, it was funny. And it, but it has stuck with me. And I think the, the magical way that I do this and, you know, and the hotel doing that, you know, was right in the middle of calving season when we were doing that. And it would seem like, oh my gosh, what, what in the world have we done here to ourselves? Um, is to just be so appreciative that you have the opportunity to have those worries um, because you could, you, you could have it, you could, it could be so much worse. It could like things like being able to worry about things mean you, means you, you have hope and you have something, you have things going for you. You know, if you worry you're too busy, it's like, well, there could be the opposite that you're sitting at home and you know, your big worry is where you're going to get your food for the night. And there are people that have that worry. Um, and so, I, I try to keep that very much in perspective, and when I feel overwhelmed, um, I try and find a way to give to somebody who has less, because that immediately, like, snaps you right into shape, and it's like, what am I really stressed about? Like, here is, I, I don't have problems. These, nothing I'm worrying about is, is that big. Like, look at this person over here who has, you know, things that are unimaginable to, to deal with, and it's like, okay, I, I can take it down a notch. And that really has has been my way of sort of, if I feel like my, my ship's starting to, you know, sink, I'm like, hey, uh, how can I help someone that does not have have it as good as I do? And that makes that makes things really, it, it just is a perspective shifter. It's a good way to keep the alligators at bay. I like it. It is. <laughs> and it does. I tell my boys that, you know, I mean, they're, boys that are 14 and 16 so they're they really <laughs> their worries are are um not you know they don't know if that they even have them i mean i know they do but it's like um they're just they're so in the moment and like yep this is good and i'm just gonna play we or <laughs> whatever but when they do get worried i feel like those it's like you know what you're not an alligator with an alligator and no gun and i'm like <laughs> again I don't think I've ever even touched an alligator or been that close to one, but it was just, um, it's just sort of a, a great way to look at it that, you know, when you think you have it bad, help someone less fortunate and, and pretty much, pretty quickly your problems don't seem that big. Absolutely. 
That's good advice. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Full Plate Podcast. I hope that you'll subscribe, leave a review, or find me on social media. You can find me on Facebook at Rachel Writes, or check out the brand new website at www.rachelgable.com. The Fence Post Magazine has been a trusted source for ag information and news since 1980. It's a staple in farm and ranch homes across Colorado, Wyoming, and Nebraska. With news that matters, no matter what segment of the ag industry you find yourself, auction listings, ads, obituaries, and periodic special sections, it's sure to be your go-to. If there's someone on your list who loves ag as much as we do, give them a subscription. That's a year of ag news for less than $5 per month. Give Jeff a call at 800-275-5646 and let them know you heard about it on the Full Plate Podcast.